you hear that beautiful music, you know either the White Sox took the field in 1959, which I think has already occurred, or it's time for the lighter side of baseball. Jamie Rusky coming to you live and in person from Overland Park, Kansas, back home where we belong for a short period of time before we take it back on the road. And one of the stops on the road is going to be Wausau, Wisconsin, to look at the activities, follow the game, keep score, and maybe check some of the food out at the Wisconsin Woodchucks of uh, the North Woods League. It's going to be fun August 5th. I can't wait to be there, and I am looking forward to seeing some college kids with wooden bats having a good time on the old baseball field. So, before we get to Wausau and how much wood can a woodchuck chuck, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in baseball today on this episode 26. And yes, there are some Hall of Famers. Jimmy Fox, for one, uh, wore number 26. He's kind of a forgotten guy. When you talk about some of the great hitters, uh, for some reason, Jimmy Fox seems to be a little bit left uh, left out, but I'm looking at a beautiful photograph on my wall, and it's got Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, and, as you know, my opinion, the greatest player ever to play the game of baseball, the Iron Horse, Larrap and Lou Gehrig. What a great picture. It was taken by a Hall of Fame photographer who... Uh, sells these prints, and they're pretty spectacular. So anyway, Jimmy Fox, but he's not our featured number 26. No Chicago fan could ever go with number 26 without the name of this Hall of Famer, Nellie Fox. Yes, folks, that's right. That's a little joke. Foxy did wear number 26 for one year in 1950, the year I was born, actually, Number two, Nellie Fox, who formed that great Hall of Fame double play combination with little Louis Aparicio from Venezuela. Anyway, uh, Nellie, very hard autograph to get while Nellie was alive. Uh, I do have a number of them. I've got a, I've got a ball signed by the uh, Washington Senators. Uh, Ted Williams is uh, the manager, and he signed it on the sweet spot as managers are prone to do. But on that ball, Nellie Fox. Always signed Nelson Fox, but we all called him Nellie. And uh, he gave me some of my greatest thrills while I was a young, crazy, loudmouth fan at Comiskey Park, hanging with my dad to watch the Go-Go White Sox. I talk about them all the time. This is the 60th anniversary of the pennant, 1959 pennant won by the White Sox. Uh, they didn't fare very well against the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series, but be that as it may, Nelly wore number 26. How about that? And in addition, there's another guy that wears number 26. He's got a statue out in the left field, uh, behind the left field wall of Wrigley Field, and that's none other than Wiss. That's his nickname from Whistler, Alabama. One of the sweetest swings this side of Lou Gehrig, Billy Williams. And people in Chicago, all you got to do is say Billy. And Billy Williams is on everybody's mind as the number uh, 26 for the Chicago Cubs. It comes to mind when you uh, start talking about number 26s. In addition to some other White Sox lore, 
Rookie of the Year, I believe, in 1960, Roy Seavers. Uh, saw Roy at a, actually, this was a charity golf tournament, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I'd represented a nursing home, and on the board of the nursing home was none other than Stan Mutual and Red Shandienst. So I got bats and balls autographed by Stan and Red, which was awesome. But they had a tournament, and I'm looking at the named uh, tournament event person, none other than that perennial all-star from the St. Louis Cardinals, Kenny Boyer. And they held a tournament every year to raise money for cancer uh, under the uh, uh, name of Kenny Boyer. And anyway, they asked me to play a couple of years in a row. And uh, during one of the tournaments, I got uh, at the uh, auction, uh, ball signed personally, ROY, Rookie of the Year, by none other than Roy. You know, how many guys named Roy end up being the Rookie of the Year? You know, did you figure that out? Roy Seavers, Rookie of the Year, ROY. Yep, there you go. There's something light, and people say I don't ever have any jokes. So... There you go, Roy Seavers. Now, there's some other funny things about this golf tournament. Uh, number one, uh, I was teamed with the uh, Mad Hungarian, and oh my, two years in a row, Al Rabowski and I, uh, you know, we were the uh, Polish twosome, I guess, the Russian twosome. We were some kind of twosome, but Rabowski, crazy guy. He was just as crazy at golf as he was on the mound as the Mad Hungarian, but... Um, Proud to say we didn't we didn't win anything, but what I did win the night of the first uh, time we played was I was the leading uh, auction offer on a bat, which I paid a lot of money for, and at the time he was a stud that had topped the record of Roger Maris, and that was Mark McGuire. And just like a bad investment in a stock that the company goes broke in, a year or two later, my bat with Mark McGuire was worth not even the price for kindling wood. Sorry, Mark. You know, you hit a lot of homers legitimately. I'm sure Conseco hit a lot of homers, you know, uh, before you got into the juice. I'm sure Bonds could say the same, and Palmero, and although Sosa's never been really formally uh, nailed with any failed drug tests, people certainly rumored about that. You got Manny, you got Braun, uh, which reminds me, I've got a whole row of bats. It's my steroid section, and it goes from Conseco to A-Rod to Bonds to McGuire to Sosa to Palmero. I mean... That's a Hall of Fame of steroid guys. They'll never get in the Hall of Fame. Well, maybe someday Bonds will, but he shouldn't. But anyway, that's my steroid row. It's pretty cool, I guess. I traded a World Series ticket. Yes, a ticket to the 1995 World Series uh, with the Cleveland Indians for a bat. Manny signed a bat for me. I gave him a ticket, even though he misspelled my name. Uh, you know, it was still pretty cool, and I still have that bat, and then Manny, being Manny, you know, broke the rules. But anyway, that bat's probably worth $3. Not that I'm into the value of bats, but, you know, 
I'm not into these guys that got nailed for PEDs. And some guys get nailed for PEDs, and they, you know, are getting booed for the rest of their career. Reference Ryan Braun, even though he had a few other problems with the PEDs. Uh, Grimsley maybe was implicated and convicted in the public opinion. But this guy, Johnny Peralta, remember him? He gets nailed, and, and there's some other guys. He gets mailed, nailed, and he comes back and he signs this gigantic contract. I can't figure that out. I mean, more power to him, I guess. Moral of the story is do drugs, get convicted, or get, you know, uh, thrown out of the league for a while and come back and sign a multi-million dollar contract because of how great you were when you were on PEDs. So anyway, I digress, as I always do. Uh, Wade Boggs had number 26, and, uh, you know, that's great. So we were going to weave in. Oh, uh, at, back at the uh, Kenny Boyer Golf Tournament, yeah, got to see regularly the White Rat, who managed the Kansas City Royals. I uh, got to see um, got to see a lot of people at this at this event. But uh, Whitey Herzog was always a firm supporter of Dave Nelson. Thought Dave would make a great manager. I agree with him. On the other hand, some guys like uh, Jerry Reinstorf said, "Eh, Nelly's too nice a guy to be a manager." I disagree. The guy was uh, really would have uh, been nice for him to get a shot at managing, but he didn't, and uh, that's the way it goes. There are a lot of good guys that don't get managerial jobs, but uh, you know, Dave would have been a really good. Speaking of Dave, uh, although I don't have a particular Dave Nelson story, he would be upset, I think, at the celebrations that go on now when people do very little in terms of warranting. Uh, these celebrations on the field, but there are a lot of celebrations on the field that take place during the game. After the game, you know, you can pour Gatorade on somebody. You can do all sorts of stuff. And I thought, man, and I've probably talked about it, this game is sort of, uh, you know, if you did some of these things in front of Bob Gibson, you'd have a ball in your ear back when they didn't have protective helmets. So I thought, you know, boy, where has the game evolved to? And then I was looking at this day in baseball history, and I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. The Hall of Famer and the guy with the most valuable, in terms of dollars, the most valuable baseball card, none other than the shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Honus Wagner, went five for five off of a future Hall of Famer who I believe was Carl Hubble. But be that as it may, after every hit, Honus would stand out at shortstop, and for the first hit, he raised his index finger. For the second, he raised two fingers, et cetera, et cetera. Hot-dogging it out there. So, you know, hot-dogging didn't just start with the uh, bat flip. It's been going on for a long time. So I thought that was cool, this day in baseball. I'm sure there are some other exciting developments on this day in baseball, but... I thought the five for five, Honus Wagner, was a pretty good deal. Um, somebody will probably look that up and say, it wasn't Carl Hubble. It was, uh, you know, Christy Mathewson or Walter Johnson or somebody like that. But that's all right. We will take it as it comes. So what else are we going to talk about today? Well, got to give credit where credit's due. The dreaded birds on a bat seem to be on a roll, winning 10 out of the last 12 games they've played and moving within a half a game of the Cubs. And it looks like they're going to tie for first today because they're beating the Pirates again, something the Cubs had a hard time doing in Pittsburgh. So right now, 
even though I predicted the Cardinals finishing last place, they're looking pretty good. As I did predict, the Twins are looking like they're going to give up the lead sometime in August, and Cleveland's going to overtake them. The uh, Dodgers are running away with it. The Giants have become buyers, I think, for a wild card. It's pretty funny. They were ready to dump Baumgartner, and all of a sudden, they're the hottest team in baseball. And then the St. Louis Cardinals became pretty hot. And uh, there are a few teams heating up here. Uh, unfortunately for you Cub fans out there, it's not the Cubs. I mean, they had an okay homestand. They should have swept everybody. They played a bunch of stiffs. How they lost to the Padres was a joke. But what was the winner was the weather. I think I mentioned it was hot in Chicago. The heat index on the game on Saturday was 110 degrees. And about the sixth inning, it was the strangest deal because uh, the sixth inning, the Padres announced a pinch hitter for the pitcher, by, and the pinch hitter's name was, I believe it was Fred Garcia. Never heard of Fred Garcia and didn't think much would happen, but all of a sudden, as soon as the PA announcer mentioned who the next batter was, the crowd stood up, a standing ovation. And I'm looking around going, did Tony Quinn come back from the dead, or what's the deal? I mean, who on the Padres warrants a standing O? Uh, and what I figured out pretty quickly was 40,000 people at Wrigley Field did a standing ovation because the weather changed dramatically in just the snap of a finger. It went from a ball, balls flying out of Wrigley, wind probably 20 miles an hour out to uh, center field. The wind shifted, and with the same intensity came in from center field, and the temperature dropped to about 70 degrees. You actually needed a coat out there to... Uh, Stay cool. That's that's baseball in Chicago. That's baseball at Wrigley, and the Cubs went on to celebrate the uh, weather and the temperature dropping by losing that game, hopping on a plane and heading to San Francisco, where they lost two out of three to San Francisco, and now they're uh, enjoying an off day, and then they go to Milwaukee for three, another off day. You know, where were these off days last year? What? A, how ridiculous is this? The Cubs played like 60 games in 62 days at the end of the season. Couldn't buy an off day. And now it's like American Legion Day. You know, you got three games on, one day off. I don't get it. I don't know who's figured out the schedule or who figured out the schedule last year, but it wasn't very good. That is the play of the Cubs. It was a weird day for the Cubs baseball yesterday. Addison Russell got sent down to Omaha for some reason. I think he's part of a trade, but that's not exactly a way to benefit the value of uh, Addison Russell by sending him to Des Moines. You had uh, uh, Rizzo, for good reason, argue when he struck out. He went down swinging, and he got thrown out for arguing balls and strikes. Now, you don't see that every day, but what he was arguing about was strike two, was way out of the strike zone. Rizzo's got a good eye, this idiotic umpire. As Rizzo was leaving, didn't show up the umpire. There's nobody in the ballpark that could have told one thing other than the catcher. And uh, this umpire threw him out. And uh, at the same time, Joe forgot to do a double switch with the pitcher coming in. Uh, and uh, so Joe, luckily, Bryant, not luckily, but 
fortunately for Madden, Bryant had an aggravated knee injury, so Bodie came in, did a double switch, and bailed Joe out. Speaking of Joe, here we are heading into August, got no contract for next year, not looking good. I don't get it, Theo. You know what? Theo's the guy that has the blame in all this pathetic offensive lineup. Pathetic. It's just no good. They're getting six, seven hits a game against mediocre pitching, and they're they're dead in the water. They if hitting is contagious, swinging and missing is more contagious. And man, oh man. You know, Theo, with his launch angle theory, they fire Chili Davis for no reason, a great hitting coach. They bring in a guy. St- I still have a 100 for anybody that can name the pitching coach while we're sitting at Wrigley. He never, this guy came from Texas, apparently, and had been with the Cubs, and he believes in a you know, big launch angle, big deal. In order to have a great launch angle with exit velocity that's remarkable to drive the ball out of the park, here's a hint to Theo. You have to make contact. The Cubs aren't making contact, Theo. And speaking of contact in the context of baseball, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, one of the bastions of journalistic brilliance for Major League Baseball. There was an article talking about how the home run's killing baseball. Well, you know, there was a joke a long time ago, hey, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. It's gotten that way. You know, why have Home Run Derby at the All-Star Game? It's Home Run Derby every night. It's like Home Run Derby. Now, they all look to the ball. Uh, You know, there's not as much drag, according to the official expert testing data. For some reason, given the amount of the yarn inside of the horse hide, which is now cow hide, there's not as much drag on the baseball, they claim. Now, I think it's totally different. I think the bats have improved to the extent that they are the reason the ball is flying off of the bat and out of the ballpark. The bat, not the ball. The bat, B-A-T. And remember two or three years ago, uh, there, there were some new bat companies that came on, and I mean... Bats were shattering. You know, everybody was concerned about the safety of the pitcher because the bats literally, this maple wood, would shatter. Not anymore. You don't see too many bats shatter. Why? They have figured out some kind of compound enhancement to make the bat more resilient and less prone to breaking and more likely to drive a ball out of the park. And i got to agree with that writer to a certain extent. You know, a buddy of mine goes, well, you know, home runs are exciting. And they are, but they happen like six times a game. It's not exactly like a goal in hockey in a 0-0 game going into the third period and somebody puts a uh, biscuit in the basket and boom, the home runs are going out left and right. In fact, there are more home runs than hits. There are more strikeouts than home runs. Uh, they got to do something about, about the game. And we've talked about that before, but... You know, I'd probably be in a better mood about the game if the Cubs were winning, but they have gone, like, dormant in uh, June and July. And uh, I don't, you know, really, it's the same problem they had last year from July to September. I don't, it hadn't improved. Dio got rid of a good hitching, hitting coach, and uh, there we go. Now, we've got that 
race in the Central Division of the uh, National League because these guys are pathetic. I mean, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati have gone down, down, down. So you've got the Brewers who don't have a pitcher, and then you've got the Cardinals who everything's working, and you have the Cubs who just need to make a trade and get some hitting and a little bit of left-handed pitching in the bullpen. I would call the uh, Yokohama whatevers in the Japan Baseball League and get Sammy Solis over here, our good friend of uh, the show. Got a raw deal from uh, Martinez in uh, Washington, and then he got a horrible deal in San Diego, and now people are looking for left-handed pitching. And I say look no further than Japan and uh, see if you can't work out a deal with the Yokohama whatevers for Sammy. He belongs here. He's the next Paul Ossemacher, and everybody knows who Paul Ossemacher was. So anyway, that brings me to the next topic, and that is one of my favorite topics. That is the Hall of Fame. Uh, the induction ceremony just occurred this past weekend. Harold Baines, uh, Edgar Martinez, Mariano Rivera, Mike Mussina, uh, Doc Halliday uh, posthumously, and uh, Lee Smith. Uh, there you go. Um, we talked a little bit about it. I watched Baines' speech. Uh, Bainesy just is a gifted hitter, gifted baseball player, great family guy, tremendous teammate. Not going to probably be a trial lawyer, and uh, he probably doesn't want to be a trial lawyer. He just really didn't enjoy speaking, and it was a good speech. It was a nice speech. He um, had it all prepared and uh, just sort of read it and got through it. And, uh, you know, it was obvious that his father was important, his mother was important, his wife's been with him forever. They met in high school, I guess. And uh, hooray for Bainsey. Um, you know, he mentioned... Larusa, he mentioned Reinsdorf, and he mentioned uh, family, and that was great. I think I told you the story uh, about playing golf with Harold. Yeah, my buddy Dave Nelson was a coach with the 1983 division-winning White Sox when they should have gone to the World Series, but for the Orioles knocking an extra-inning home run to end the World Series hopes of one of the best teams in baseball, who were accused of winning ugly, but be that as it may, the Pale Hose in 1983 were great. Anyway, so Nelly gets uh, a few guys to go out and play base, uh, golf, and baseball, they play baseball all the time. So we went out, and uh, we went to uh, a golf course in, I think it was in Lyle, Illinois, called Ruffled Feathers, and... And I think I mentioned before, Bainsey, you know, was kind of oblivious to my golf game, which is a mistake, especially if you happen to be to my right and in front of me. It's not a good place to stay or stand unprotectedly because I have a tendency to have a rather magnificently pronounced fade and damn if I almost didn't knock out Harold, which would have ended his career prematurely and maybe kept him out of the Hall of Fame. So, Harold, even though you didn't thank me in your speech when you uh, made it into the Hall of Fame, there's only one reason you're there, and that's because my first ball missed you, and the second ball never got to you because Dave went up and told you how bad a golfer I was and that you really shouldn't get in front of me to the right. So, Bainsey, congratulations. Pretty cool. What a what a effort! What a great career! 
and the same with Lee Smith. Great career. Uh, Mariano Rivera. You know, he only led the major leagues in saves three years. Isn't that weird? He lost a couple World Series. Gave up winning hits in a couple World Series. But, I mean, I think he only gave up four earned runs in his, all of his nine or ten World Series that he played in for the Yankees. So hats off to Mo. He goes in as the first guy to get voted in by everybody that voted. Now, I've talked about that before. This first ballot Hall of Famers are pretty cool. And as an example of the some of the first ballot Hall of Famers um, getting lots of votes, Rivera obviously got 100%, Chipper Jones got 97%, Jim Tomey 89%, Ken Griffey Jr. Now, you know, it's an interesting question, but who could vote against Ken Griffey Jr.? He got 99.3%, so one guy didn't vote for him. Who could vote against Randy Johnson? Who could vote against Greg Maddox? Who could vote against Tony Gwynn? Who could vote against Nolan Ryan or George Brett or Mike Schmidt? All those guys got 98. Tom Seaver, 98. Who's going to vote against them? What morons? I mean, just why do they do that other than oh, I vote against somebody all the time? And that, that makes no sense. I'm sorry. But... As I said earlier on another podcast, what's even more interesting to me are the players that didn't get in on the first ballot, that did not get in on the first ballot. Remember, Nolan Ryan got in on the first ballot, George Brett got in on the first ballot, uh, Chipper Jones, here are some crummy guys that got in on the first, not, Smoltzy's not a crummy guy, he's good, you know, um, the Steve Carlton got in on the first ballot. There's, uh, Paul Molitor was kind of uh, questionable. Dennis Eckersley was a little questionable. Winfield, Kirby Puckett. Yeah, okay. He's one of the greatest ballplayers ever. And 77% of the people voted for him. That means a fourth of the guys didn't vote for him. What's that about? I mean, the voting in the Hall of Fame is insane. And now... The Hall of Fame is running out of Hall of Famers. I mean, it is. With all due respect to the guys that got in, um, if I were going to pick that class, pick over that class, and who do you think really is a Hall of Famer, I would say, and not a, not a banner headline Hall of Famer, and I'm sure some people are going to disagree with me, but I think that the real legitimate Hall of Famers in this class were. Mario, did you notice that pause? It was kind of a build drama on this broadcast. Mariano Rivera and Lee Smith. Other than that, you know, Martinez, man, he's a good hitter, but he and Bainsey, and it's not that I'm anti-DH, but I am anti-DH. I think it's a joke. Doesn't make the game any more exciting. It doesn't rob you of, you know, boy, it's sure boring to watch a pitcher bat. That's baloney. That is total crap. In fact, you know, John Lester, who didn't get a hit for like 10 years, um, he's hitting like 260 right now. The guy's on fire. Bumpgarten is a good, they're a good hitter. It's fun. As a fan, it's more fun 
than to watch some bozo DH who can't do anything else at the end of his career. But that's just how I feel. I'm pro DH. They're going to probably at some point, some bozo is going to conclude that, hey, you know what? We need to get rid of the desert. We need to get rid of the pitcher's batting in order to improve the game. That's crazy. That is crazy. You got to get rid of the DH. They also ought to give my pit, the pitcher a timed limit to throw the ball 30 seconds or so from the time he gets the ball till he delivers it. They got to speed up the game. It's like, all right, it's fun to watch a four-hour game in 95-degree weather, but it ain't that much fun, and you can only drink so much beer. So, you know, that's, that's the scoop. I think that in the uh, final analysis they'll do some stuff, but the, the Martinez and Baines, God love you, but they wouldn't be in my Hall of Fame. Uh, and neither would Puckett, and neither would um, Molitor. But, you know, again, everybody's got their their favorites and their lack of favorites. I mean, I'd put Nelly in the Hall of Fame, but he only hit 286 one year, and then he got hurt. Uh, 286 probably didn't get you in the Hall of Fame anyway, but by God, there was a Hall of Fame, or if there ever was one, didn't get in. David Earl Nelson, Texas Rangers. So, and we all know he's my best buddy, and we know the story on Nelly, but I got to throw him in every now and then because that's what we're doing this podcast for. Let's, re- let's recap why I'm doing these podcasts, number 26. Number one is to kind of explore with people, and I need more people to be on the show, that father-son, mother-son, uh, symbiotic relationship to baseball, number one. Number two, I hate stat cat. Cast, stat cat. I hate sabermetrics, even though I sort of laugh when I look at the war. I'm not sure what war is, but somehow they could calculate Babe Ruth's war, Barry Bonds' war. And uh, the third is uh, I don't get to talk to Nell anymore. And so uh, because of all those things, but mostly, you know, I miss talking about Brewer baseball with Dave. And right now there's not much to talk about with Brewer baseball. Mr. Antanasio ought to get that pocketbook, reach into that pocketbook, and go get, here's the guy that I think the Brewers need to move forward. Because they could win the division. They need pitching. And I would get, because the Diamondbacks are willing to eat some of this contract, I'd go get Zach Greinke back in Milwaukee. You know, he'd probably come back. He'd probably agree to waive his no-trade clause, but he probably has with Milwaukee. But I would, uh, I would do that. So that's one guy. Now they're talking that Bumgarner's not going to move. I think they've got one week left until the trade deadline. There hasn't been a deal. Now, it's the same thing that happened with free agency. The management's just waiting now till the end, uh, until the deadline. Now, after the 31st of July, there can't be any more uh, trades of players that uh, they can't clear waivers anymore. So this is it. So how are you going to improve the team? And the Cubs need to improve a lot, but they don't have much money left based on based on Ricketts' imaginary budget. And what's funny is that uh, Sinclair Broadcasting is rumored to be paying $90 million next year to stream the Cub games. $90 million. So together with that, my DirecTV bill is going to probably go up because Sinclair will probably cut a deal with DirecTV. Uh, my four-season tickets are probably going to go up because Ricketts is going to say, well, you know, we really haven't raised the ticket price much lately. 
I mean, 120 bucks to watch the Pirates on a Saturday afternoon in Chicago in my seats that are not great seats, that's absurd. Now, for all you scalpers out there, I know you think it's even more absurd because, man, you can't even get face value or half face value. You can't get it on StubHub either. It's a joke. Uh, but anyway, nothing like a $12 beer either, which is really refreshing as you sit in the heat at Wrigley. Anyway, is that the lighter side of baseball? Yeah, I think it's kind of light. But back to, uh, back to the brewers, they need to do something, and they need to do it quick. And are they buyers or sellers? They had to be buyers, but they may be sellers. There's some, there's some discussion today about Jesus Aguilar, their very colorful first baseman, uh, being on the trading block. Wow. That'd be a sad day. I mean, come on. At least try to win the wild card. So there you have it. That's kind of the beginning of the show. That's sort of where we're going to go. We've got some races heating up. We're in the uh, week to the trade deadline. Uh, We have the dog days of summer coming up in August. We have the expansion of the rosters in September. And then we have the World Series. And then it's night-night until... uh, They load up the gear and head to spring training in February next year. So we're two-thirds of the way through the regular season. we got another two months, and then we have a month worth of playoffs for those teams that are fortunate enough to go to the World Series. So anyway, uh, it's not going to be the Cubs. It's not going to come out of the Central Division. It's going to probably be the Dodgers versus the Yankees. Maybe the Astros get in there, the Braves. Maybe they get in there. I don't know, but... You know, there's still a lot of fun baseball out there. I'm planning to go to a few more games uh, because I can't really sell them for what they're worth on Face on uh, StubHub. And then uh, it's Chiefs football with uh, Mahomes versus the Bears at Soldier Field on December 22nd. A cuddly Soldier Field at 7 o'clock at night in December. Man, that'll be fun. Anyway, that's going to be a good game. I've already got my tickets. And uh, so we'll go from there. But I'll try to figure out something else that's light. Uh, The woodchucks are going to be light. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about stealing first base. That's kind of cool. That's really gone over like a lead balloon. That same league's talking about moving the mound back two feet. That's great. Get some more home runs. And, uh, you know, they employ all these studies to figure out why there's more home runs. And I'm telling you, it's the bats. B-A-T-S, bats, bats, bats. Um, I'm looking forward to the uh, rest of this road trip, Milwaukee, St. Louis, then home to Wrigley. And, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, somebody besides Baez, Rizzo, and uh, Brian can start clicking on this team. So, my suggested moves, I love Almaro, Albert Ormora Jr., as his name is. Uh, Schwarber's got to go. Russell's got to go. Um, Bodie's got to go. Now, who of those guys will probably go? None of them. Uh, they're going to have to take somebody's contract and eat that. And I'm not sure they're going to do it. I wouldn't do it. I don't think they're buyers or sellers. I think they've got a good enough team to win the division. But they got to get uh, Campbell's back. They got to get Hendricks winning. They got to get Lester healthy and uh, Bryant healthy. And, uh, you know, they need to trade. I mean, they've got a few pathetic links on the team. But I'm still optimistic. I'm looking forward to October at Wrigley. Ho, ho, ho. 
And I'm looking forward to talking a little baseball with you guys when we come back from the break. So, this is Jamie Reske on the lighter side of baseball. We're going to take a really short break here from none of our sponsors. As you know, we don't have any sponsors. And uh, then we'll be back for uh, wrapping up the show, talking about what's coming up in August and what I expect to happen in the Central Division of the National League. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. And back we are, better than ever. Was taken from Mike and Mike in the morning, which is no longer in the morning. They each went their separate ways. I took one good show and turned it into two bad shows. Can you believe it? Hard to do. Well, that's progress, and that's the uh, parent management at ESPN, but we don't have to worry about the ESPN management because our management is exclusively intertwined in this show. So, I'm the management, and uh, if you don't like it, well, that's the way it goes. Just kidding, that was the lighter side of management. But at any rate, here we are back after the break, and I just feel like talking a little bit about the state of the trade deadline. It's a lot like free agency. Nothing's going on. Nothing went on in free agency, and the players complained. And I think the problem with the trade deadline stagnation and we've got five days left and three hours till the trade deadline expires and there are no more waiver deals, deadline deals, or anything else like that after July 31. Uh, it's the um, haves and have-nots. The have-nots are trying to figure out how they can get something, and the haves are trying to figure out if they want anything. And so you've got... Nothing going on, but everybody trying to inflate the value of the people they're dangling in front of the buyers, and the sellers are increasing their unrealistic expectations with respect to getting the uh, players they hope to get. You hear a lot of names uh, from the Diamondbacks, but you don't hear Zach Granke. I'd be going after Granke. The Diamondbacks would eat, I bet they'd eat $15 million of that contract just to get rid of the Zach attack. Uh, you've got uh, Roger Ray down there. You hear about the, the amusing thing of the San Francisco Giants. They're about 85 games behind the Dodgers. They're not going to win the division. At best, they play a wild card game. And it's Bochy's last year. And so they're saying for the whole year, we're going to get rid of Bumgardner. He's just a rental guy. He's at the end of his uh, free agent. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. So... Uh, we're going to get rid of them. And here we are, July 26th. They haven't got rid of them. And why? Because nobody wants to spend any money on this guy. He's had a terrible year. He's a bozo. He's a bum in the clubhouse. He's a bum on the field. And uh, he's got a big name and a big contract. And you'd be crazy to take Bumgartner. Of course, people were crazy to take Harper, but they did. Now, Harper and Machado, to me, are better deals than Bumgartner. Maybe Bumgartner... Uh, will grow up over the offseason since he's a free agent, lose some weight, get in shape, and be ready to play. But until then, the Giants all of a sudden go, we're not getting rid of him because we've been on a roll. 
where the role leaves them still 14 games behind the Dodgers in reality. And uh, it's a wild card game, and they're not even sure to get in a wild card. They would dump Bumgartner in a minute if they got the right guys to back that deal up. So they're saying we're not moving them, and the reason they're not moving them is nobody wants them. So that's easy. Then you got Stroman, who's sort of a head case from Duke University, and he, you know, played his heart out saying he wanted to finish his career in Toronto. Well, nobody wants to finish their career in Toronto, and nobody wants a career in Toronto unless you're a hockey player. Since he's not a hockey player, he wants to go somewhere, and I would bet the Cardinals are going to be looking for some big-name pitcher to go into their rotation because, much to my chagrin, oh, my God, it's a lot, whatever chagrin is, I got a lot of it. The Cardinals are dead even with the Cubs. Dead even. Wins, losses, identical. Oh, my. And a three-game series coming up in St. Louis next week. And note to everybody, the visiting team in the first 12 games of the Cubs-Cardinals series has lost every game. The home team has won every game. And the Cardinals are on a roll, and that's with Molina on the bench and Carpenter on the bench, hurt. So the batting averages for the Cardinals are worse than the Cubs, which is hard to believe. But it's going to be a two-team race unless the Brewers go out and get some pitching, which doesn't sound like they're going to do it. They're sticking their head in the sand. So we're going to have a two-team race at the end of the Central Cubs and Cardinals. The Brewers will be there to stick a thorn in the side of each team, but the Pirates sure didn't stick any thorns in the Cardinals. Thanks a lot, Clint Hurdle. Really helped out the Cubs, and uh, I don't think Cincinnati did much with the uh, Cardinals, so they only saved their best performance for the Cubs. At any rate, you got the central divisions of both leagues. I told you the Twins were going to come back to the pack, and they're doing that. Cleveland is going to win that division. The Dodgers and the Yankees are running away with it, and the Astros are pretty close to running away with it, and the Braves and the Nationals, and maybe the Phillies uh, come from the eighth furlong to win the, the race. I don't think so. But uh, even even at that, the wild cards are going to be Oakland. Who's it going to be? But it's risky to put all your eggs in the wild card basket. I wouldn't do it, and I don't think too many people are going to do it. But you got five days. Something's going to happen. There'll be some big deals. And then they're done unless somebody can find a loophole to get around the uh, deadline. So I guess maybe you give a player's unconditional release, make him a free agent, and then he can cut his own deal. That'd be one way to do it. But uh, you're still pay paying the freight for that guy, so that may not make so much sense. But somebody's going to come up with a way that nobody's really thought about, and they're going to break this little... Uh, July 31st deadline date, and there'll be some other activity before they have to name the roster for the playoffs. Now, here's my suggestion that they'll never do. If the deadline date of August of July 31st was also the date for deadline roster moves for the playoffs, then and only then I think it'll be a good firm deadline. But there's wiggle room. These guys are sneaky up there in the MLB, and even sneakier down below. And then, did you see Dave Dombrowski comes out and says, well, we don't need much. Well, you're 
so far behind you can't even see the Yankees in the standings, and you let Kimbrell go, which was the dumbest move in the history of dumb moves. It's not about money anymore. Your owner has billions of dollars. And uh, every franchise worth a billion dollars, the TV money's going up. Uh, the only thing, the owners are human, and they want to make as much money as they can, and the players are even more human. They want to make as much money as they can during that short window of their career. So it's the same old song. Uh, we've got five days. I, I don't think that there are going to be a ton of deals. Now, the one deal that I keep hearing about is some type of deal between the Cubs and the Royals for Whit Merrifield. If the, yeah, I'm torn. I've got season tickets to both, although I'm not sure how long I'll have season tickets to both. But I'm sort of sick of both teams, and here's why I'm sick of the Royals. They got rid of Musakis. They got rid of Hosmer. They got rid of Kane. They got rid of Greinke. They got rid of a lot of people and didn't get much in return. You know, where are those great prospects like the Astros keep parading in front of everybody, like the Cardinals keep bringing up, like other teams bring up? Where are those prospects? Well, the Royals and the Cubs are SOS when it comes to prospects. They don't have any. And the Cubs sure don't have any. So anyway... What are the Cubs doing? What's Theo doing? I don't get it. You know, like I said, no contract for Joe. He's going to be gone. Another Joe move into the office of the manager? Girardi? That's my bet. Please, Theo, sign Madden to five years. Like I said, if it doesn't work out, big deal. It's Ricketts money. You've already blown four or five hundred million of that in the last three years with terrible deals. How in the world does this guy keep his job? And Rizzo in Washington now, they made a little run, so Rizzo might be okay. But Theo, come on, man. You know, be like Billy Bean. The dude has no money, and he makes a really good roster. You have all the money you need, and you hang your hat with Schwarber and Almora and whoever. Now we're bringing up Hap. We got rid of Russell. What's going on? Come on. You don't have a very big window because you're not going to be able to keep Brian, Almora, and Baez. Anyway, that's kind of my ramblings on that. Home Run Derby continues in a limited schedule Thursday night. There, I mean, in the Twins hit, heck, Nelly Cruz hit three home runs himself. The balls are flying out. This is getting ridiculous, and uh, nobody seems to care. So you have strikeouts, homers, and uh, an occasional hit. Very few balls put into play, and very low batting averages with runners in scoring position. Now, it's going to get more exciting. I promise something exciting is going to happen here in the next two months because we're getting ready for those dog days like we talked about before. So I don't know. I'm going to ask my listeners out there, if there's something you want me to talk about, uh, let me know. You know, Call the hotline. Well, we don't have a phone number. Write me. you got my email address. Go to my Facebook page, James Uretsky. You can find me. And that'll link us to Twitter and Instagram, and, and maybe we can message. Somebody said there's a um, Facebook messaging service, so we can do that. I'll be more than happy to look and see if anybody's writing a message to me, and I'll re-message that message. Kind of trump the message that trumped my message. So anyway, 
That's a scoop. I mean, it's the dog days of broadcasting, I guess. There's just nothing going on that's very exciting. But you do have intra-division play coming up with the Cardinals and the Brewers. And that's going to be exciting. And then the Oakland A's come to Chicago. That's going to be exciting. So what I think excites me most that I'm going to really focus on um, are hot dogs, brats, Italian sausage, and anything else that can go on a bun. And I'm going to check. I never have a hamburger at the ball game. Why is that? You know, I'm going to have a hamburger at the ball game. And I'm going to start. Maybe I ought to start. Anybody can rate hot dogs. Cubs are okay. The Royals are not. But hamburgers. Whoever has a hamburger at the baseball game? Now, some people do. The Royals used to have these cheesesteaks that were good, but since they were so popular, they got rid of them. Um, I haven't been to a Royals game for a while. I've got a tough schedule coming up, a lot of golf, a lot of travel. Going up to Wisconsin, we're going to do a game from Wausau and the Wisconsin Woodchucks. I'm going to check their food. I, I'm going to make a little bet. I bet that their food is better than Wrigley's food better than the Royals food and maybe right up there with the White Sox food. So I'll report back because I know that's interesting to all my listeners. And as I said, we have expanded our listening audience by going into the Apple world. And uh, so with Facebook, whenever I learn about that, I can apparently tag people. And that's interesting. And then if I tag people and somebody likes whatever I sent them, they can send it to their followers and on and on and on in the true uh, meaning of Facebook. And so algebraic expansion is our goal. And then we might have a phone and then we might have a video show and then we might have a sponsor. But don't get your hopes up for this year. We're already planning an exciting 2020. It's going to be fun. But the uh, 19 season is here the 60-year anniversary of the White Sox, and the 100-year anniversary of the Black Sox. So, there you have it. Uh, man, I wish I had something cool to end with. I don't. I'm kind of bummed right now about uh, some of the teams in baseball. The Royals mathematically eliminated, the Padres, the Pirates, the Reds. They're all going the wrong way, and it's just home run derby. It's kind of bumming everybody out, bumming me out. So, they don't make contact. It's kind of a boring game right now, but it'll get better. I promise it'll get better. So uh, do I go back and edit all this really downer stuff out? Eh, I don't think so. I'm going to leave it in because how many of you really get to the end of the show? So I'm going to leave it and uh, hope that you guys like it. And um, next week, the show is going to talk about who got traded because the deadline will have expired by our deadline of our show production. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Bumgarner moved. We'll see if Stroman moved. We'll see if uh, Will Smith moved. And uh, Greinke. And there, there are a lot of guys out there. Will anybody want to take the risk? Somebody will. Uh, Kashner from the Orioles to the Red Sox, I believe. That was a big deal. Um, Kashner was traded from the Cubs to the Padres in exchange for a guy named Anthony Rizzo, who, not Brock or Brolio, but pretty close to it. And speaking of Brock and Brolio, 
Um, you know, Luz had some health problems, and Ernie recently passed away. So, uh, sad days. The flannel era, the guys that I watched growing up, the guys that had the flannel uniforms that hopped on a train and went from point A to point B, the guys that, you know, rode the trains from Chicago to Detroit to Kansas City to Cleveland, those days are gone, and we are into this really strange level of baseball. Um, I can't quite figure it out, but I'll be working on it. Anyway, that is it from the lighter side of baseball. I wish I had a joke to lighten things up. Uh, I suppose the joke is the management for the Royals, and that's the lighter side. Will they get rid of Merrifield? Will Soler go? Will Kyle Schwarber come to the Cubs? I predict, last thing I'll leave you with, here's my prediction. Addison Russell and Kyle Schwarber and somebody from our miserable bullpen to the Cubs for Whit Merrifield. There you go. We'll have given them two designated hitters in my man Jorge Soler and then Schwarber. So, I don't know. Where does Schwarber play, DH? Where does Soler play, right field? Do the Royals really care? They're so far behind, it doesn't matter. So, what are they doing? Will Dayton Moore be here next year? Will Ned Yost be here next year? I got to say, I don't think so. So anyway, that's it. Does Matheny take over since he's a special assistant to Ned Yost? Uh, he sure wasn't very popular with the Cardinals, so we'll see how he does with uh, the Cubs and, or the Royals in that situation. So I know next week's going to be a lot more exciting, and that will be number 27. And just as a Little tease, number 27 for the San Francisco Giants in one of my highlights of my life, responding to an incident where number 27, Juan Marichal, took issue with being pitched inside and took his bat to John Roseborough of the Dodgers. Not a moment that, that uh, Marichal was proud of, but a moment that I wrote about. And uh, I'll kind of get into that article because the... Uh, article is sitting here on the wall and it says 15 year old goes to bat for baseball and that was me a 15 year old guy going to bat for baseball responding to an article written by Jimmy Cannon a consyndicated columnist and he was predicting that baseball was dead yeah seems like everybody's always predicting baseball's dead but it'll never die so We'll talk about Juan Marichal, number 27, in our 27th broadcast. Today was 26, Sweet Billy. And we're concluding this broadcast on July 26. So there's got to be some, some exciting meaning of all that when the whole world comes together at 26. So that's it. I'm going to ask around for some topics people want to talk about. So far, mainly they want to talk about food, and I don't blame them because some of these teams are so far out. The only thing interesting are nachos and whether or not they have ice cream. So until next week, and until episode 27, Juan Marichal, a great guy, and uh, you know somebody that signed a bat and a ball in an article I wrote. That is it from Kansas City. Jamie Reske, I hope you've enjoyed some of the lighter side of baseball. I hope it's been a little bit on the lighter side. So, some of it's funny, but you might have to listen to the show once or twice. And 
when you go on podcast, you can subscribe for free, and they all come up whenever there's a new episode. So do that. Pass it along to your friends. I'd appreciate it. SoundCloud still has the uh, podcast, I believe, although I'm going to meet with my technical vice president of operations here this weekend to see how things are going on both the SoundCloud front and the Apple iPod front. That's it. Have a great day. Stay cool. It's hot out there, but I'm going to go tee it up, and I look forward to next week for The Lighter Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Uretsky saying so long, and have a great weekend.